Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realise that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. John Michel, welcome to Human Stories. How nice to catch up with you again. How are you? Terrific, Tony. Thank you very much for having me again. Now, you're on quite a noisy line from Australia. <clears throat> I'm in France with a croaky voice, so <laughs> it could be an interesting interview. Um, oh, well, we'll do our best. We will indeed. But you are a, I would use the word cautiously, prolific thriller writer, I would describe you as, because you've written several uh, books. They're all uh, along the lines of being um, uh, thrilling, and, and the sort of spy movies, slightly James Bondish, um, and that's because of your history, isn't it? When you were a diplomat, tell me about uh, your briefly about your career. Well, that's right. I, I mean, I have a lot of experience of working overseas in the diplomatic service, and um, a lot of what I write about is 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 set in the Cold War and about spies in the Cold World War, but not so much about their spy. It's it's, it's an endeavour to take a new approach or put a new slant on the spy fiction genre because, as you know, it's very well mined. You know, there's been people over the years, so, so many books and some of the really great books by the great masters, like Carl Raymond, Dave, and those sort of people. So I try to put a new slant on it. So there's not a lot of spying per se. It's more about people who are working overseas uh, under foreign service cover, if you like, mm. and, and that's why I, I draw on my foreign service experience to give some authenticity to the, um, the... The stories are all fictional, of course, but there's some authenticity to the sort of framework that you present the story. Under I understand, I understand. And, and yeah. that sort of work these days can be quite dangerous, can't it? You know, there, there's all sorts of conflicts spring up around the world constantly oh, well, and all sorts. Yeah, well, it, it could get dangerous in my day. I mean, I've uh, spent time in the jungles of uh, Pacific countries close to Australia where, uh, uh, you know, varying degrees of security surety. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it can. It can. And, and although I never felt at any stage I was threatened as a sort of a political target, it can happen to some countries that their diplomats are the subject of uh people who want to protest against something that the sending country has done. Mm. And so you do get instances of diplomats being assassinated and things like that. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a great job and it's an interesting job and all the rest of it, but there are risks with it. Sure. Well, happily you survived. I did. <laughs> and and uh, survived enough to write uh, your books. And your latest one is called Weather Over Mendoza. Uh, Mendoza, yeah. I had to look up, um, I'm ashamed to say, where Mendoza is. It's in Argentina. Uh, Correct. Tell, tell me about the book. What's the book about, briefly? Okay, well, I, I just spoke before about trying to put a new slant on a, uh, a Cold War spy fiction story. And the idea I had this time started with a very basic premise that I would try to write about a man who was bereft of all hope that his whole life had run out of control. And originally I was going to have that individual committing suicide and then the story just start. But it didn't turn out that way. And so the the, the main character in, in Weather Over Mendoza goes all the way through from 
start to finish. But basically, um, it's it's a building block exercise to to write these books that you tend to you tend to create a situation. Now, I I have a fellow who was a spy and he now gets under threat. So the question I had to ask myself was, well, how do I put him under threat? And I had it coming from a newspaper article, a newspaper writer who had discovered that he was once a spy. Then the next question becomes, well, how did he discover he was a spy? So there has to be a building block built on that. And you asked me earlier about my experience and how it feeds into, into the novels. I was fortunate enough to be posted in Moscow at the time when the Soviet Union imploded in uh, 1991. And I used that experience, some, some of it with sort of real life ring to it, of information that leaked out of the Soviet Union and was picked up by Western sources, the press or maybe Western intelligence, that, that told them things they didn't know. And so I embellished that a little bit to say that the journalists had picked up information to show that this fellow, this main character, was a spy. And that's where it started from. So um, then you have to ask yourself, well, how did he become a spy and, and, and the circumstances? And as I say, it's like a, a, a modular building in a sense that you, you develop these, these certain modules and you've got to put one on top of the other and join them together. But it's basically about a man who's about to be uh, uh, disclosed by a newspaper that he was a spy. Uh, he's reflecting on his life as he waits for that newspaper to come out and it, and it goes into a number of sub-stories as to how he became a spy, uh, how he got into a position where he became a spy and what sort of spy he was and what sort of challenges he faced. And, and I, I then had to introduce other situations where he was under threat of discovery. And so that, and, and then you have to make the whole thing zing along and pace and, and be catchy and talk and all those sort of things. But, mm. but look, um, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I've uh, written a number of books, but I like to think that this is probably the best one I've done. Uh, to date, but of course it's such a subjective business that uh, who would know that mm. uh, people have different different things. But well, the thing that's, is, that's, the, that's thing is the, thing, the thing is, but you don't know till you try, do you? Really, you know, when you go to a shop or you go on Amazon, which is where your book is, um, yes. and, and you read, um, you can read reviews, and they're subjective, of course. You can read what's written on the on the back of the book to, you know, to tell you briefly about it and so on. And, and it will interest some people and not others, but this sounds, oh, absolutely. yeah, this sounds very uh, interesting to me. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get yeah. a copy. I'm, I'm definitely going to get a copy and, and try and read it. The trouble with me is that I'm so busy with media that I don't have time to read anything for my own oh, well, pleasure. You know, I hope you do. I hope you do. Who, who knows? But, uh, Look, as I said, I think it's probably my, my best to date. It's quite a relatively short book in, in the sense that but I think that, that adds to its uh, tour. That's when I say short, it's about 240 pages or something like that, which is it's not a short story. But it, it adds it adds to the um, the tautness of the book and, and things get along. And it's nor, as I, I might add, is it a linear book. It doesn't start at the start and finish at the finish. It, it takes all different tangents back and forwards, back and forwards. And um, I think that helps a bit too, that it's uh, it's got all these layers of story mm. and then people can focus on one one layer and then you go away and address another layer then come back to that layer and so forth. And I think that has the effect of, 
in maintaining interest and building mm. interest. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, one thing I like about uh, your writing style is that it's not just one event, if you like, if I can put it that way. It's it's right. several different interlocking events which keeps the reader, reader more interested. I, I tend to think so. The, the, the trick there is not to uh, lose a thread so that mm. when the reader, you've taken the reader off on a tangent, then you want to bring him back to another element of the book. It, there's there's got to be sufficient continuity that the reader can pick it up seamlessly, that they don't have to. What would be the worst thing in the world is to have a reader go back into the book and be looking six chapters earlier and say, well, yeah. hang on, who's this? <laughs> yeah, that would be a pain. I mean, it's a bit like uh, television uh, soap, uh, uh, soap opera, soap uh, series, isn't it, where you have several uh, storylines running at the same time and then the television, the camera production flits between the two different storylines uh, running between the two characters and then every now yeah. and again they they collide, don't they? So it's, that's, yeah. that's, a good, that's a good thing. Brilliant. And, and okay. You've got to have some sort of cross-fertilisation between the... Um, between the stories, if, if you can take some part, one tangent or one element, if you want to call it that, and insert it into the other element, that's a technique for keeping the reader conscious of the fact there is this other element out here that uh, uh, is yet to be determined and will be returned to. So that's very clever. I love that. It's very clever. I couldn't, couldn't possibly do that. I've often thought about writing a book about um, my life <laughs> and... Um, it, the, the situation just daunts me totally. I can't. I, I, I can't do it. This I've got too much to tell. I wouldn't know where to start. You know, I've had quite a lively life. Put it that way. Um, yeah. Well, I think you should. I, I encourage anyone to try and write a book. I mean, um, these things don't come together overnight. I mean, you've got to be prepared to commit a year or eighteen months or something mm. to, to getting it. And uh, there is an old saying in the writing game that you can't do enough editing. Um, and I couldn't agree with that more because I, um, I, I don't really look at the book anymore now. It's been out for a couple of months. But, I, but I, um, I, I think that there are things that I think about occasionally that I'd probably change if I had another chance. Nothing major. And, and as I said, I'm quite happy with it overall. But I don't think you can ever stop editing enough. Uh, is, that, is, that all- be- is that because you're a perfectionist? Oh, I think that's definitely the case. Mm. Definitely. So, uh, in most things I've ever done, I, I'll tell you a very uh, uninteresting aside is that I don't play golf because I was never any good at it. And uh, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> and I don't, I don't enjoy doing things that I don't have some accurate. Well, I just so. had a thought, John. How it's about okay. how about you write the book about me for me? <laughs> as your ghost <laughs> we'll talk about that okay. I know you had a car accident at Milton Keynes once I saw that somewhere <laughs> true true um, okay so uh, what are you, what's your next project well I was in um, the United States very recently actually uh, where you and I did speak very briefly at one stage and mm. um, I didn't have anything specific in mind except that I wanted to gather some material that I would put together and use as the basis for a new book. Now, I've written probably about 20,000 words of that new book 
already. Wow. Uh, and a lot of it was to do with how you would start and the location in, in New York City that you would use. And again, it comes back to this authenticity thing a little bit that you, uh, you know, you don't want to be talking about a street in Tribeca and so it's up uptown or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a little bit silly because you look at it on the internet. But, I mean, there's nothing quite like... Uh, um, well, being there, seeing it. Oh, yeah, that probably gives you a bit of inspiration as well, doesn't it? I, I think that's what I'm really saying is you can the, – the research that the great writers of, of years gone by used to do was real research. They had to get on a plane or a bus or something or go somewhere and look at this because it just wasn't there. But even today, I, I was looking on Google Earth at uh, a street in Washington, D.C., and um, – it's just like being there. You just go down the street, and if you wanted to describe a building or or um, a house or something like that, then the thing is just sitting there in front of you, and you you know it's exactly the same impact mm. as if you were standing in front. Of you. And, okay. Uh, is there a title for the new book, John? <sighs> there is, Tony, but um, much as I uh, keep it quiet, enjoy talking to you. I'm not going to say <laughs> no, no, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you do you um, think when you're writing and you come up with an idea for a book, do you think of the title first, or does the title come from writing the the, the text? Um, in the case of this one that I've just started, it's probably come from the ideas that I've sort of put together mm. in a very rough form. But with Weather Over Mendoza, there was a very funny incident that I had many years ago when I was in the diplomatic service. I was flying from Buenos Aires to Santiago over the Andes Mountains on an airline called Braniff, which you may know was an American airline that um, hit the wall financially and uh, it ceased flying in the early 80s. But on this Braniff flight, we were going over the Andes at night time and um, we hit turbulence so violent that honestly I, I thought we were done for. I really thought the thing was going, it was a DC-8, I recall that, and uh, I I, um, I don't know what sort of internal maintenance they'd done on the plane in recent times, but it rattled a lot with the, uh, with the turbulence. <laughs> I, I, really, I really thought we were done for, and we got to Santiago, and I was, conti- I was living in the US at the time, so I was returning back to Miami, but um, there was a crew change in Santiago when we stayed on the plane and the incoming pilot got on and said to his counterpart, well, how was, I won't try and mimic the American accent, how was the flight? And the pilot was this gentleman who's probably about my age now or even younger, but he looked looked a great age to me in those days, but he uh, said in this laconic Texan rule, oh, not bad, we had a bit of weather over Mendoza. (laughs) Ah. <laughs> Whether Mendoza is at the foot of, of the Andes, and and when the book uh, Whether Over Mendoza demanded a minor character come from somewhere to Germany in the thirties, I chose Argentina, and then once I'd chosen Argentina, I thought, well, I can pick any city in Argentina, but I'll make it Mendoza, and then I'll make the title of the book Whether Over Mendoza because that uh, that response by that pilot that night has stayed with me all my life. <laughs> and the, the, the weather over Mendoza has really got nothing to do with Mendoza other than that it's a code that the Soviets use when this man is uh, is, is under threat. So 
um, that may not do justice to the story. But the, the re reason I named it, named it that was because of that pilot that night saying, oh, we had a bit of weather over in Mendoza. He was so laid back and... <laughs> And electronic about it, and all the passengers thought they were going to die. That was brilliant. I thought you were going to say that he said, You do want to get on this one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's falling apart. There's well, bits. Like I said, it rattled a lot, but uh, we got there. That's uh, fantastic. That's great. Okay, uh, John, thank you so much for talking to me again on, on Human Stories. Uh, okay. Your, your yeah. book that's out now, available on Amazon. Is called Weather Over Mendoza, as we've been uh, discussing. Uh, it's been fascinating yeah. to talk to you again. I wish you all the best. And we look forward to the next one. Maybe we'll have a chat when, when the next one uh, comes out. Yeah, we'll do that in, in about, how long do you reckon it will be? A year? Uh, at least. At least. Right. Okay. Well, we'll keep in touch before then anyway. But th thanks again for talking to me, John Michel. Thank you, Tom. Tony Lloyd, creating audio and film worldwide.